Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, as he does each and every Tuesday at noon, is our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. He is brought to us by Dr. Matthew Lapresti at Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Kern at 1-800-GET-HAIR. Tommy on the Harbor One Hotline this afternoon. Tom, good day, friend. <laughs> Hello, Andrew. Hello, Christian. Hey, um, we got to get a wellness check on you. <laughs> oh, wow. Why? Yeah, right off the bat. Because this is a this is your lifeline. This team, this team is your lifeline. This is my opinion. You know, you're so passionate about. It. You do such a great job. Nobody covers a team like you Thanks, do. Bud. And I would say that that I I feel like sometimes I feel that you may take this the way this team is playing personally. I you know what? It's really funny you say that <clears throat> because I thought they were. I think you and I are similar. We've been around it for so long. I started in 97. I was fortunate enough. I mean, I've only covered a 5-11 and 11 season in 2000 and a 7-9 and nine season in 2020. And those are the only times the Patriots have been under 500 since I've been covering them. But I started following this team in 76 when they went 11-3 and three and were the best team in the AFC and could have won the Super Bowl that year. So they've crushed my heart for the first 25 years I followed them. And then I covered them, and you do become a little more detached and objective, certainly. But you want the team to do well, and more than anything, you want to be right there you in your go. analysis. <laughs> yeah, there I want to be right yeah. in my analysis. Yep. And I yeah. think over the course of my time here, I've been right a wicked, wicked, wicked lot of the time. Yeah, and, and I would say I usually get it right. Yeah, and I would and say this year that, I'm friigging wrong. Yeah, and I I'm think wrong, that's where wrong, we're wrong. that's where we're similar. Because yeah. I, I, I'm trying to think, where did I go wrong? And, and, I, and I believe, like similarly to what I thought the Patriots felt and ownership felt, like this was at least, at its worst, a nine-win season. At the best, like, hey, listen, and, and, you know, a, a game away from winning 11. But I thought they could easily get nine to ten wins. And they're so far from that. It's, I'm almost like amazed at how far away they are, they are going to be from nine or ten wins. And, and looking at why is interesting. Okay, we what did we get wrong? Well, we overestimated, I think, the impact of Bill O'Brien. I overestimated the notion that you would have a complement of players who could play at a level that I presume the Patriots had scouted them and recruited them to play at. For instance, Juju wouldn't be a massive drop-off from Jacoby Myers. Um, Devontae Parker could give you a representative effort. <clears throat> Tyquan Thornton could be you know, up to the quote-unquote challenge. Ramondre Stevenson would be Ramondre Stevenson. And I expected an offensive line that would have five answers and one question mark, and it hasn't been that. And as a result, you've got a quarterback who's regressed in his decision-making because he's somewhere between panic and trying to make a play. Hence, you have a team that averages 14.8 points per game, second worst in the NFL. How much does strength of schedule enter into it? They're the only team over a 600 winning percentage of opponents against 645. How much does injuries enter into it? Some, but they stink, and I didn't think they'd stink. I thought that they would Andy. I thought that they would be. I thought that they that the guy you look at and say, well, he's good. He's going to be this, and I presume they'd all be good, and they're they're not that. Well, I think the one thing for me, Tom, as Christian and I kind of workshopped it yesterday, and I know that Christian was kind of with me on this, is that I thought they would be really good at running the ball 
and would be a top 10 team running it, given what we saw last year, the O-line returning, and he had Ramondre and Zeke. And to me, not having the balance in the offense, and really, Bill O'Brien, you know, for as much as Christian and I were talking about Billy O, it's the whole, what can you call that you can really trust? You've had an O-line that's been inconsistent in terms of of, uh, pass protection, and if you get skunked on first down and you're in second and 11, you don't want to run the ball. And to me, that is the the most glaring thing with this offense is you mentioned Ramondre being Ramondre. Hell, they, they there is no running back right now that is doing anything inside this offense. And to me, that might be the most shocking thing of all because I thought on a real baseline, they'd be able to do that and line up and knock people backwards. <laughs> the weird thing, though, is they have in yeah. games. At moments, no, at moments. I'm not telling you you're wrong. I'm just saying at moments, which is the sucker pin, to use a golf phrase, for all of us, for the Christian Flores, for the Tom Currens, for all of us who go, go, I think this team might be pretty good. And you see them run the ball against the Jets. You're like, see, figured it out. All right, yep. that's what I thought they were. And then, and then they, yeah, no, it doesn't happen. Um, it's It's weird, too, because they are so poorly equipped to play any style of offense. And I I do think one of the under-examined aspects to this offense is they have no third down or sub-back. They used to have multiples of those. They used to have Rex Burkhead as a semi-sub-back. They would have Sony Michelle as their main back. And then they would have James White as their true sub-back. They don't have a sub-back. So nobody comes available quickly. Ramondre Stevenson might be one of the slowest route runners I've ever seen in my life. The way that he gets out into a pattern is glacial. And you can't have it. You can, he's a good pass receiver, but the, he's just so slow. And then there's no true slot, although they're trying to develop Demario Douglas. But I look at 2022 and Bill and the team saying, we're going to reconfigure the offense. We're going to pare it down. We're going to make it simpler. We're post-Josh. We're post-Tom. Let's make it more amenable to these kids and what they're doing coming out of college. Matt Patricia goes, yeah, 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 I can do that. I can do that. We'll run the, we'll run the, 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 the Shanahan stuff. We'll go draft Cole Strange and Bailey Zappi and Tyquan Thornton. And who else was the other guy? Oh, Pierre Strong. We'll bring these guys in. By August, they realize they can't do it. So you waste a draft, you waste the time, you waste a year of Mac trying to pivot an offense, and now you're in 2023 and you're betwixt and between as to what you're going to be, and you don't have personnel. That's why they're averaging 14.8 points per game. They don't know who the frig they want to be. So uh, Tommy Kern with us, and, and great yeah, stuff, Tom, uh, per <laughs> usual, buddy. And this is fun. This is, I, I was thinking about this uh, you know, Sunday night when I was working with Rochi. And you know, oh, you know, look how look at this. Look at the schedule. How easy it is. Look how look how like you know what a great schedule. Oh man, they'll win these these games easy. Washington, Indianapolis, and and my question to him was like, based on what like what have what have you seen that leads you to believe that you're so? Is it just arrogance that you, meaning fans or whatever, and not you particularly, that you're mm-hmm. better than the Commanders or that you're better than the Indianapolis Colts? Like, I mean, the, I, I for me. None of these games are locks. They're all challenging in their own right. There, there's not any. There's not a team in the league right now that they can just roll in and beat. I'm curious to know if you feel the same way. Yeah, I think we're suckered by the fact that 
they were so competitive against the Eagles in the opener and then for a while against the Dolphins. Um, and then I think that we say, well, that wasn't them against the Cowboys and the, and the Saints. That wasn't them. It was just, that was a bad day. They were hung over. I mean, what can you do? It's not their fault. But even look at that Jets game and they're holding on by a fingertip and they get shredded on a late drive by Zach Wilson to bring the Jets within, you know, a hair's breadth because at the beginning of the second half, their offense just folded in on itself. So you're right. There are the layups. This is a team that has the fourth overall pick right now. They may well still wind up in the top five. So the question now becomes to me, and I'm going to talk about this on quick slants tonight. And we're going to talk about it for months going forward. Do you want Bill Belichick to be the one in charge of a top five pick and a top 35 pick, perhaps in the second round, and a hundred million dollars worth of cap space. Do you want him in charge of that? Do you want him setting the course for this team when he's had the ability to set the course and make a hundred and seventy-two million dollars worth of decisions in 2021, and come back with Nelson Aguilar and Johnu Smith and the draft decisions that he's made? You know, I mean, do you want Bill in charge of the draft decisions at wide receiver when it's Tyquan Thornton and Nikhil Harry, who are the guys that he drafts and the ones who succeed for him, like Jacoby Myers or Demario Douglas, he either ships off or gets in the sixth round or brings in undrafted. So do you want Bill to continue to make the decisions for your offensive team? I would say no, period. Then you got to let him go. Pretty much. But if that is also the case, then if, if that's the way you feel, then the whole trade deadline, you're not then you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything, then. right? I think the trade deadline is such a red herring circus. I mean, they did they, they the Patriots were the only team worth covering for a long time at the trade deadline, whether it was Van Noy or Tlaib or who were the uh, the fellas they got back in 2014, Gresh, the kid from the Giants, Jonathan Casillas. Oh and, my God. Uh, I forgot about that guy. Good grief. Akeem. He was a nice guy. Pass rusher. Akeem Hicks? Akeem Nix? No, it wasn't him. I got the wrong Akeem. Oh, okay. Um, Akeem Olajuwon. Good field goal blocker. Anyway, I understand. I understand your point. It's the it's those veteran guys that were going for like fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders versus like Montez Sweat, who just got flipped to the Bears for a second round pick. Yeah, it's like, who do you want to add? Like, Montez Sweat's a valuable player. Who on the Patriots is like Montez Sweat? Uche isn't. Uche had one season of production, and it came over a four-game period. I like Uche. He's a miscast here, obviously. The team has not used him enough, but he has a unique skill set. He could be a, a cog, but he's not going to get you a second. No way. Nobody's going to look at 10 games of Josh Uche and say, okay, we'll take 10 games of him for a player that we could get in the second round and have four years of control over. That's that's what teams have to really address when they're looking at the trade deadline. I'm going to give something up here for a player with most likely an expiring contract. So I'm buying 10 games of this player instead of drafting someone in the second round or the fourth round or the fifth round who might have relevance for me for four years. So 10 games versus four years. That's why the trade deadline to me, is just shipping problems around the league sometimes. 
So what do you think about this week before we let you go? Is this one of those weeks where, just like I mentioned earlier, they they playing at home, 1 o'clock, need to get to three wins. And off, and off that, is there a difference between a Patriot team that wins three games and a Patriots team that wins six games? Oh, yeah. I mean, again, it's how does it look? I think that the potential here, like a couple weeks ago, the potential was great for it to be an exciting day. It it wasn't likely, but to do what they did, the potential was outstanding. You beat Buffalo. My God, people can be swinging from the rafters. And they were. And it was great. Best win they've had at that stadium since 2018. If the Patriots go out and they beat Washington, you know, 22 to 13, people aren't going to be that into it. They're not going to be swinging from the rafters. And if they lose, in a place where there's probably going to be plenty of good seats available, they lose that game. People are going to be voting with their vocal cords as to what they think of the team, and the crafts will be sitting through that. Here come the booze. Yep, tough. So it's important that they don't lose. It's not important that uh, they do win. Boo, do booze really matter? I mean, really? I think it does. Do you think Robert has a sad when he goes home no, no, and says no, to his it, new wife, oh, they booed us no, today? It's a, it's a bigger conversation, but I do think it. I do think they are How listening. How do my customers yeah. feel about yeah. what we've got? That's 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 where you you know he's not sitting there looking at a Twitter poll. How do how do you like the Patriots today? That's how the customers feel. No, but does and he? That is does he? Visceral. But does he? And I get all that. But do you think he sits there and goes, "Man, we've only got twenty thousand people on the backup season yes. ticket list. If these people bail, yes. my God! Like, well, we've only yes. got we've only got twenty thousand in line." I promise you. Yes. It is a priority. All of that is a priority. They're running a business, and if they can't get people in the seats to watch the team, that means they're not going to get advertisers to buy in as well. It impacts everything, and we've all of us have benefited greatly from the success of the team, but economically, things would be changed if this team descends into unwatchability and not being an interesting team. So, yeah, they absolutely mm. watch all of it. We'll have to uh, we'll have to get back into that a little uh, later in the year with our friend Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. Tommy will be with Jones and Mego on Thursday, and of course with us on Weei Football Sunday. Tommy, thank you, friend. All right, great stuff, guys.